We pick up in Ephesians chapter 6, and we will read verses 1 through 3. Here again, the word of God. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Let's pray. Almighty God, your word is truth. By your words, Lord, your servants are instructed and warned. In your word we find life. Your word brings us to you. We ask, O God, that you would bless us as we study your word, that you would bless the preaching of it and the hearing of it. Even, Father, for these little ones here, that you would make your word effective for our salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we have seen in Ephesians chapter 5 and now coming into chapter 6 that there are three human relationships that are oftentimes used in Scripture to depict God's relationship with his people, right? We had uh, wives and husbands which symbolize or, or relate to the church and to Christ. And, and we come here to children and parents. Children relate to us, and God being our father is symbolized by fathers. And we will see a little while later on slaves and masters. All Christians are God's slaves, and God is our master. So we come now to children and parents, and we're going to see in these verses a child's place, a child's duty, and a child's reward. One of the things that I've often remarked about children in our day is that they do not know their place. It is essential that every child know his place. And so we're going to begin by looking at the child's place. The child has a place in the family, in the church, and in Christ. In the family, in the church, and in Christ. Broadly, the word children or child, which is in 6.1, simply refers to someone who has been begotten and born. And in that sense, all of us here are children, it's strange, perhaps, to think of it, but I am somebody's child. I know you can't imagine I ever had a mother, <laughs> but I am someone's child. However, more narrowly, the word children refers to subordinate, dependent descendants. Subordinate, dependent descendants. Younger children. And these children have a place in the family. First of all, they are subordinate. That is, children are of a lower rank or place than their parents. This is easy to understand. They came into the world through their parents, and they came into the world after their parents. Parents are never once commanded to obey their children, but children are commanded to obey their parents. And so by subordinate, we simply mean to say that children are of a lower rank than their parents. God has placed them under their parents, as it were. Now, a child's existence and indeed his continuance in this world depend upon his parents. So we say that children are dependent. If a child were not cared for by his parents. And depending on the age of that child, some children need care almost every hour of the day, 
early in life. Think of a nursing child. He needs care all the time. As children get older, they need less care and provision. Nevertheless, they are still dependent. Apart from their parents, they would have nowhere to live, nothing to wear, nothing to eat. And they would always be bored. (laughs) Now, we distinguish amongst children between dependent children and independent children. I am an independent child. That is to say, I now have my own household. I do not rely on my father and my mother to provide for me. I have my own wife and children, and so I am independent of their rule. I still owe them honor, as the fifth commandment teaches, but I do not owe them the strict obedience that we read about here in Ephesians 6. Most of the children I am addressing this evening will be those of the dependent kind. They are relying upon the provision and protection and care of their parents. Therefore, they are strictly obligated to obey them. We all owe our parents honor because of the commandment of God, but some of us owe our parents obedience. Now, children not only proceed from and depend upon their parents, but they also receive things from their parents, and particularly they receive or inherit a number of things like a name, citizenship, genetic or physical traits, even spiritual traits and character traits, personality traits. When I moved to Pennsylvania, my daughters became residents of the state of Pennsylvania. I didn't even ask them. Neither did the state of Pennsylvania. It was just said, there is a natural and legal relationship between you and your children. Whither you go, they go. And so it is. Our children inherit things from us because there is a natural and legal relationship. They are our descendants. Now, our children can inherit things like wealth and property. And children of Christians actually inherit a religion. They inherit the promise from God. Children in the church, children of Christians, inherit that promise in which God says to you adults, to you parents, I will be a God to you and to your children after you. You see, your children, being your descendants, have a natural and legal right to that promise as much as you do. So they inherit that promise. God is our God and God is the God to our children as well. Because of this, our children also have a place in the church. It's interesting that the apostle here in chapter 6 addresses children in the congregation of the saints. Think of this, he is addressing on the Lord's Day, right? This letter would have been read in Ephesus on the Lord's Day to the Christians gathered for worship. And he addresses children and tells them to obey their parents. Understand that the children addressed here in chapter 6 are still included in that group of people who were addressed as saints in chapter 1. Just as we said, wives addressed in chapter 5 are saints, 
and husbands addressed in chapter 5 are saints, so too are these children addressed in chapter 6. And this agrees well with what the apostle says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. Your children, that is to say you Christian, your children are not unclean, but holy. I've said before and I'll say again, the word holy and the word saints are actually the same word. They both mean set apart. So your children have a place in the church. They are saints. They are set apart unto God because they are heirs of his promise. In addition to being saints, they are fellow citizens in the commonwealth of Israel. Fellow citizens in the commonwealth of Israel. We read this in chapter 2, verse 19. The apostle said, you, talking to the church, are not strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. So your children, beloved, have a citizenship in Israel. Not the Old Testament Israel, but the commonwealth of Israel that is the visible church on earth today. In addition to being saints and fellow citizens, a child's place in the church is that he or she is a member of the household of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 again says, You in the church are members of the household of God. Now being a member of a household entitles you to certain privileges and benefits and of course responsibilities. But you must know that our children need to know their place. They have a place in the family and they have a place in the church. Now as members of the church, it is incumbent upon us to teach our children to trust in Jesus Christ, the head and savior of the church. Children who believe in Jesus Christ, children who trust in him, have a place in Christ. I want to stop for just a moment and say this. It is possible, whether adult or child, to be in the church and not be in Christ. Do you understand this difference? You can be sitting here in the church and having all the outward rights and privileges of a person in the church. But if you are not trusting in Christ, you are not in Christ. And it is only those in Christ who will receive the eternal rewards of heaven. So then be sure, children, parents, mothers-in-law, grandparents, everyone, be sure you are trusting Christ. Because it is one thing to be a part of a family. It is another thing to be a part of a church. But it is something altogether to be in Christ. Now, the phrase in Christ appears, it along with its parallels, appears 36 times in the book of Ephesians. It's an important theme, an important concept in this book. And I'm not going to give you all of those examples, Mrs. Appleton. But I do want to just note four things about you children who trust in Christ. These are four things from the word of God that are true of you, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that means you were chosen by God the Father before the foundation of the world. That's from Ephesians chapter. All of these will be from Ephesians chapter 1 into chapter 2. If you believe, little ones, 
in Jesus Christ, that means that you have been redeemed by the Son of God. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He gave himself so your sins could be forgiven. And when you believed in him, you were redeemed. If you trust in Jesus Christ, that means that you were sealed with his Holy Spirit, with God the Holy Spirit. And that means you have a guarantee of an inheritance in heaven forever. If you trust in Jesus Christ, that means that you were created in him to do good works which he prepared beforehand for you to walk in. So you see, in Christ you have Tremendous blessings. You have been chosen by God, redeemed by God the Son, sealed by His Holy Spirit, and now He has prepared good works for you to do. Therefore, children need to know their place. They have a place in the family, they have a place in the church, and they have a place in Christ. We spoke of those good works which were prepared in advance for you who believe in these good works for children begin with a child's duty. And that is our second point this evening. The child's duty, the good works, the first good work which God prepared in advance for Christian children to walk in is obedience. Obedience to their parents. Now, the word we translate as obey simply means to listen with submission Literally, under and listen. To put yourself under someone and listen to them. Of course, it refers to compliance. Compliance with commands, instructions, corrections, and expectations. Obedience is the fruit of reverence and love. And it is the surest outward sign of honor. The absence of obedience is an obvious sign of dishonor. And lack of love. If a Christian does not obey God, it is taken as a dishonor and lack of love towards God. So too with children who disobey their parents. Look with me at the objects of this command. So children, obey your parents. That is to say, the objects of your obedience are principally your parents. I have known some children who seem to have been able to obey everyone but their parents. I had a friend who never, ever disobeyed any of his teachers or coaches or friends' parents or anyone in the neighborhood, but was a monster to his own parents. I think God tells us this for that's partly why. He says, your parents, no matter the status of your parents, no matter their estate, Children, you cannot be ashamed of your parents. Those are the parents God gave to you. They are the ones who begat you. They conceived you and brought you forth. Now, we know that by extension, this includes not only our natural parents, but also grandparents and in-laws and foster parents and adoptions and guardians and tutors and And even teachers in schools all occupy a place of parent in some sense, right? A teacher in the classroom is what we call in loco parentis. 
That is to say, they are the place of the parents in that classroom. And, and children have to obey that teacher out of obedience to their parents. But the principal persons that you need to obey children are your parents. You need to obey them over everyone else on earth. There is no other relationship on earth that God has made for you that occupies this place. But note, there is a limit to this. We come now to the prepositional phrase. In the Lord. I want you to see that this prepositional phrase, in the Lord, does not modify parents. In fact, it modifies the command. Children obey in the Lord. See, this is in the Lord obedience that the apostle is after. He wants children to obey in the Lord. Obedience to parents, which is Christian obedience. God commands obedience in the Lord, or shall we say, in the Lord obedience. This directs, limits, empowers, and motivates children. We say it directs because it's when the Lord says, obey your parents in the Lord, he is saying, children must have an eye to Jesus Christ as they deal with their own parents. He is saying that obedience to parents out of love for Christ is obedience to Christ. Disobedience to parents is disobedience to Christ. You see, the in the Lord directs the child's obedience. It also limits it. Children are obligated to obey their parents with respect to everything that is agreeable to the will of Jesus Christ. I know that no one here would ever, but should anyone ever require of a child something that is contrary to Christ, I want you to be reminded of the Lord saying that it would be better to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea than to lead one of those little ones astray. So then the limitation to a parent's authority over his child is very similar to that with a wife and a husband. Parents must command things to their children which are agreeable to Jesus Christ. But in addition to directing and limiting the child's obedience, I want you to see that this actually empowers the child's obedience. Beloved, All Christian obedience is powered by faith in Christ and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A wife cannot submit to her husband and reverence him in the way that Christ demands without the Holy Spirit. A husband cannot love his wife in the way that Christ demands without the Holy Spirit. Your children cannot obey you in the way that Christ demands without the Holy Spirit. Must Parents, you must understand this. As much as you rely on the Holy Spirit, as much as you rely on Christ to do your obedience, so too your children. They need Christ and the Holy Spirit to fulfill this obligation of Christian obedience. 
in the Lord also serves to motivate children towards this. And children, I want to remind you of this. Do you remember Samson? Samson, he could tear a lion with his bare hands. He could kill I don't know how many Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. That was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know where Samson fell short? In many ways, it was because he did not obey his parents. But do you know if Samson had devoted himself, if he had used that strength of the Holy Spirit to obeying the Lord's command to obey his parents, that he would not have found himself in the misery that he found himself? And I want you children to know this. You actually have a promise of a greater measure of the Holy Spirit than Samson had. Now maybe you can't tear a lion with your bare hands, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can obey your parents. You see, Christ empowers you. He gives you the strength to do that. In the Lord as well, motivates children in their obedience. You see, in the home on earth, the parents bear the image of Christ. They are God's representative on earth for children to learn from, for children to learn what it is to obey. And learning to honor parents is a child's first step in learning to honor God. They scarcely learn it any other way in the early years. A disobedient child is a disobedient Christian, if he is a Christian child. And his love for Christ, if it's there, if he truly indeed trusts in Christ, that that love for Christ ought to motivate such a child to obey his parents in the Lord. Now, there are in this passage actually four motives to obedience. We talked about the first one, in the Lord. It is the Lord who motivates us. But there is a second one. The Apostle Paul says, this is right. The word translated right is the word just. It's justice. Justice, as you all know, is not what is sometimes called justice today. Justice means giving to each his due. This means that when Paul says, this is, it is right for you children to obey your parents, he is saying, that is what is due to them. That is due to them because they are your parents, because they gave rise to you in this world, because God placed them over you, because they provide for you, because God told you to do it. You see, all of those are reasons of justice. These children, when you obey your parents, it's not a courtesy. It's a necessity. You are not doing them a favor when you obey them. You are giving them their due. Another motive towards obedience, which is mentioned here in this passage, is the fifth commandment. You know this from Exodus chapter 20. Honor your father and mother. Also in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And so the the ancient commandment given at Mount Sinai, which, which tells God's law for his creatures, is meant to motivate. It serves here in this passage to show children it is right for you to do this. How do you know it's right? Because God... Jehovah, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Moses and all of that. He said to do this. You cannot honor your father and mother by disobeying them. In fact, honor is demonstrated by obedience. Here is a fourth motive, the promise of a reward. 
Look at what he says. Which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. This commandment has a promise. And you children, in your obedience of this command, should be thinking, if I do what God says, he's going to give me a reward. The command has a promise attached to it. A child's duty, then, is to obey, to render Christian or in the Lord obedience to his parents. And children who do this by faith, children who motivated by a fear of God, who obey their parents, are promised a reward. And this brings us to our third point, a child's reward. We see this in the words which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now first, perhaps we should say, is it okay for us and for our children to seek a reward? Aren't we supposed to just do what's right because it's right? Well, we already saw we are supposed to do it because it's right and we're supposed to do it because we're commanded. But God provides an additional motivation. A reward. So is that bad for us? Well, beloved, doing what God says because you love him and believing his promises is what we call faith. That is faith. If, if God promises you something by, by obeying or doing something and you pursue that, if you obey because you believe what God says, that's faith. The kind of faith that pleases God. Hear this from Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that seek him. You can only come to God expecting rewards. That is faith. Now, God does not have to promise us rewards for obedience. He can just command us. Right? The mere fact that he is your God and the mere fact that he commands something is sufficient reason for you to obey it. That obligates you. And yet, because God is kind and merciful and gentle towards you, he also offers rewards for your obedience. And, and it's interesting because God never ever commands us to do something that's bad for us. So he says, go do this thing that's good for you. I'm your God, and I've commanded it to you. Oh, and when you do it, you're going to get a reward for it. That's your God, and that's how he promises you. However, when God does promise a reward, know that it's good and right to expect that reward. God has offered it. God will keep his promises, and you are not wrong to look forward to God keeping his promise. So the child's reward depends upon, as well, this in the Lord obedience. And what I mean by that is this. Even your best obedience, both parents and children, even our very best obedience on our very best day falls far short of the standard of obedience that God wants from us. And so we have to have in the Lord obedience. 
We have to have the kind of obedience that is done by faith in Christ and done by the power of the Holy Spirit and reaches God according to the merits, the the treasury, as it were, of Jesus Christ. You see, God needs to look upon you and be happy with you and see the work that you're doing as if Jesus were doing it. And that's exactly what God promises you. God is pleased to accept and reward the works that you do by faith as if they were being done by Jesus perfectly. Why? Because you, by faith, are in Christ. Now the phrase in Christ means that we are together with him. Where he goes, we go. He, when, when, when I believe in Jesus, I am as attached to him as my arm is attached to me. And children, when you believe in Jesus, you are as attached to him and all his goodness and all the blessed rewards that God gives to him as your arm is attached to you. So then, it is okay for you to seek rewards. Now, verse 2 says that the fifth commandment is the first commandment with a promise. And if you are very familiar with the Ten Commandments, you may say, doesn't the second commandment have something of a promise attached to it? And you know that in the second commandment, which you find in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6, it says this. The second commandment, which forbids the making of images of God, says this. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. And so what does the apostle mean? That this is the first commandment with a promise when it appears the second commandment has a promise. And I would say this. There is a, a somewhat general promise attached to the second commandment, but, but, but not really in the same way. The, the, actually, the words showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments are actually a description of the God who is giving this commandment. This is God identifying himself. I am the Lord your God who. Which God? The Lord your God who does these things. Yes, there's an implied promise there, but it's a more general promise that applies to every commandment of God. And so this commandment, the fifth commandment, with an explicitly attached promise, is really and truly, in this sense, the first commandment with a promise. It's a specific and particular promise attached to this very commandment. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Consider then that the promised reward for Christian obedience to parents, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. The substance of this promise is a long life that's happy and filled with comfort. And we can understand how this works. I'm sure each of us can think of someone, some child who suffered injury or some loss or even death because of some disobedience to parents. I lost friends I can recall in high school doing things that I know their parents told them not to do. I know children oftentimes get hurt by disobeying their parents. But we also know that it's possible someone could be obedient to his parents 
and die young. That too happens. Jesus was obedient to his parents and he died in his 30s. Not every person gets the full, long, happy life that we seem to understand here. Was it Billy Joel who said, only the good die young? And so this promise, I think, we have to understand, generally speaking, yes. Children who obey their parents are going to temporally, physically, on this earth, do better. You are going to avoid a lot of harm, a lot of injury. You are going to avoid a lot of problems if you obey your parents. And that's going to tend towards a longer life. But along with the Baptist theologian John Gill, we have to conclude, I think, that this promise of a long and happy life refers to this world and the world which is to come. Now, it is true that verse 3 says, on the earth. But consider that this promise is actually a quotation of the fifth commandment, which originally referred to the land of Canaan. And you know that the land of Canaan, for the Hebrews, was actually never the fullness of the promise. The land which they were promised, and the, the long life in the land that they were promised, was only there to figure the life that they were to look forward to forever. This is similar to who, well, do this with me, beloved. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Chapter 11, and we're going to look for just a moment at verses 8 through 16. By faith, Hebrews 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and bore a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth." For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And if truly they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you see, beloved, that even the promise to Abraham of the land and to his descendants for the land was never completely fulfilled in that little strip of earth in Canaan. Canaan was always to be, to believing Israelites, a down payment, as it were, of the inheritance. We see the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And in the context of the sermon... It's clear that he's not talking about just the earth in the here and now. 
He's talking about what is to come. Not just the earth in this life, but in that which is to come. The meek shall inherit the earth. Is Jesus merely speaking of a possession of land? And someday can I expect I'll hold on to the earth for maybe 70 or 80 years? No, he's talking about that which lasts, that, that land which is Emmanuel's land, that, that city whose builder is God, that, that land which can never be taken away. And so the f- complete reward for a child who gives Christian obedience to his parents out of faith for Jesus Christ is actually eternal life with God forever and ever. So children who render Christian obedience to their parents will receive the reward of a long and happy life. Not merely in this world, but in that which is to come. Children, the unbelieving world is characterized by disobedience to parents. You see it everywhere. The apostle Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 1. He described what it was evidence of the wrath of God being poured out from heaven. One of those evidences in Romans chapter 1 verse 30 was children disobeying their parents. The children of darkness are characterized by their disobedience to their parents. But not Christian children. Christian children, you are children of light. You are in Christ. You are in the Lord. You are saints. Therefore, obey your parents in the Lord. You parents, I hope you can understand that a large part of what I say to your children has direct bearing on you. It is important for you to keep your children under your obedience. You are the one who principally will teach them to obey. And you know, you help your children obey God when you teach them to obey you. This is their first lesson in obedience. And if you do not teach it to them, you will find yourself like those in Israel who have to bring the child to the elders and get stoned to death. Now, I'm not literally speaking, of course, but you will be party to their destruction. So it is very important that you help your children learn to obey you. And your child should, fathers and mothers, your child in childhood from a very early age, he should do what you say, when you say to do it, and with a good attitude. That is what the expectation is. And of course, if not, you are failing to help him obey But that's a sermon for another day. For now, let us all seek our Father in heaven and ask that both we and our children would grow in Christ-like obedience to the Lord. Let's pray. Our blessed God, indeed, we do ask for a spirit of obedience in our children and in ourselves, that we as fathers would model it, that mothers would model it, that we in the church, our elders, and one of our fellow members, we would model this, That, Lord, each of us would be so tender towards you, so obedient towards you, that we are not characterized along with the world as disobedient, but rather as obedient, well-pleasing to the Lord. Give us grace in Jesus' holy name. Amen.